0: Music and ideas, ninety-one three KBCS, Bellevue, Seattle, Tacoma, a broadcast service of Bellevue College since nineteen seventy-three. Good afternoon. My name is Ian Hughes. Today I am pleased to welcome into the KBCS studio two Grammy nominated artists seasoned by the road and forty-odd years of performance and marriage. Tuck and Patty. Tuck originally comes out of Oklahoma, where there's a bright Golden Haze on the Meadow and Patty comes out of San Francisco, where I wish they still wore flowers in their hair. They met and began playing music with each other in the early 1980s and soon found their signature sound of Tuck's virtuosic guitar playing, which somehow combines bass, rhythm and lead and Patty's exquisite voice, a mezzo-soprano, I'm told, that's rooted in the classic jazz stylings of artists such as Ella Fitzgerald, but is nimble and often flares into soul and pop, which gives it a range reminiscent of Nina Simone. They have appeared alongside Miles Davis, Chick Corea, and Herbie Hancock, to name just a few. Bobby McFerrin has called them the best duo on the planet. They perform tonight... At Demetrio's Jazz Alley, and we have them live here in the KBCS studio. Tuck and Patty. <laughs>
1: If you could see her smile, you'd understand exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, you know just what I mean. Hey, she needs the clouds in the sea, she needs the rain in the sand. You take one look at that woman, I know that you'll understand. Well, she's a natural. Miracle, uh, yes, yeah, she is. Uh, uh, she's a mystical miracle, and my a woman, say now she's a mystical miracle. Who tell you, hey, she's a mystical miracle, you know that. I can't believe it.
0: 913 3 KBCS, Bellevue, Seattle, Tacoma. Listening to Tuck and Patty live here in the KBCS studio. And what an absolute treat and pleasure to have you two in. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, that's, Thank that you. is a, pleasure. a way to come into the studio, I got to say. <laughs> uh, they are going to be at Demetrio's Jazz Alley tonight and tomorrow night. I think this might be the first time uh, you two have been back uh, since our wild pandemic Hello. years. And uh, yes. we're just so thrilled to have you back in.
2: We are so glad. Last time was February, end of February 2020.
0: That's right. Oh, oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, that was just a little taste of what you're going to hear tonight. Uh, Patty, you grew up in the Bay Area during the 1960s, an era that would have exposed you to Sly and the Family (laughs) Stone, uh, Janis Joplin, the Grateful Dead, Jimi Hendrix, uh, and I suppose it would have also allowed you being in the Bay Area to have seen a lot of these bands live. Uh, How did those sounds, mixed maybe with some of uh, the people that I would guess are near and dear to your heart, Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn. Right. How did all that co-mingle into your sort of musical education, as it were? Well, for me, I was
2: always a music lover. So in my room, I'd have on Classical Station, and you know, if there's a country station that came in or something, I'd listen to that. And then when we were, when I was little... Uh, Sylvester Stewart, Stone actually had a radio show. He was a DJ on the radio, so kids could call up and say, "I want to dedicate this song." And he would play his organ or keyboard on the air while he was uh, doing his show. And so we just had special stuff growing up like that. So, and my mother loved music, so she'd take us to everything. So I never really uh, pigeonholed music. It was just music for me at large, and I loved it all. I knew at that, at that point that we were in a special place because we could see so many people. Everybody was coming through the Bay Area. And then, you know, I, was, I didn't get out of high school until, what, 67 I graduated. So right about that time was, you know, everything was just going on, going on.
0: Oh, it was you really know, happening at that yeah,
2: point. Yeah, I, I even got to see the Beatles. I bought my little ticket, paid my babysitting money in 1964 and went to see the Beatles at the Cow Palace. And could you hear them?
0: You do, know what? You I felt like
2: I could hear every note. Okay. Everybody said it was screaming so loud you couldn't <laughs> hear, it. but we could hear it. We could uh,
0: hear it. <laughs> Did you have music in the family? Uh, were, were you sort of the singer, or did your, you know, your mom? Did, did everybody? Kind My of mom produced?
2: didn't sing. Um, we were in church, though. We were exposed to you know the choir. My sister Peggy sang really beautifully, so she and I would do a lot of duets in church and. I started directing junior choirs and doing, you know, singing in the choir and doing stuff like that, and even directed an adult choir for a while. But as I got older, um, you know, before getting out of high school, my mind, my head had turned to the future. And, and uh, I wanted to play in bands, and I wanted to play in rock bands. I, I didn't even uh, limit that. I wanted to play in a lot of different kinds of bands. So that sort of had a, there was a conflict there between church and And the the devil's music.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it it feels like that is so interwoven throughout uh, pop music history. Uh, You know, when you have Sam Cooke, you know, starting with the gospel. Uh And Aretha Franklin, really, growing up. uh, Her dad, I think, was a uh, a a preacher, right? A minister. And both of them, you know, going into secular music. Do you feel, though, that the... the music in the church is a big part of where your voice comes oh, from. Oh, definitely, where you grow. Yeah.
2: And, and, you know, in that, in that church, it's, there's the song, but then there's the singer's own interpretation and their improvisation and their testimony. So you're improvising from the beginning, and if you, don't, if you can't get up and do that and take a song to your place, then you haven't sung the song. So you get that early, early on training like that, how to jam.
0: That's that's now that's fascinating. So you have this improvisational sort of music in the gospel and the church as you're growing up, and then so by sixty seven, sixty eight, when you're listening to you know Jimi Hendrix and Sly and and, and these you know the Grateful Dead or whoever do this improv- improvisational stuff on stage, yeah. it really must have felt in some ways very natural. Like that it was, was all, the, that was
2: a progression. Even and at that point, even with bands then, those the types of bands like that playing, you know with. With jazz, you didn't just get up if you didn't have anything to say. Nobody was just playing the head and that and the you know, the bridge. They were or chorus. You yeah. had to give yourself. Yeah. And that was a great 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 practice for that.
0: Oh my goodness. I love it. Tuck, uh, you grew up in Oklahoma, and as an electric guitar player of sort of the same period that we're talking about, you know, the guitar arguably in popular music uh, was king in this era, largely said, I think. Chuck Berry, you know, Grant Green, B.B. King, James Burton. We've been talking about Jimi Hendrix. All of these musicians in different genres of music all sort of top of their game all sort of you know the guitarist king kind of guys how did this sort of melting pot work into your own sensibilities as a guitarist and what and do you have any sort of early folks that uh, you still kind of think about and still kind of hold close to you
3: it was kind of similarly eclectic for me i think in that it was all just cool things getting played on the guitar i played uh, piano for about seven years before I played the guitar and I s- switched to guitar in order to play in garage bands because there was never a piano in the garage and I couldn't play piano you know anyway but it didn't matter if you're playing in a in a crummy band in the garage in, in what 1968, 67, 65 you don't have to be good and so I started playing guitar and I was terrible and uh, but I I just took in everything that I heard and I I learned a lot more we were talking earlier but I learned pretty much by ear as opposed to by formal study, I, I had already developed a whole lot of musical knowledge playing classical piano. And so I kind of made an, a, a, an attempt to table all that and just try to, to get into the music rather than the theory of the music, try not to think too much about what notes, what the name of the note I was playing was. I wanted to be able to hear the note I should next play and go get it. Uh, but I was listening to everybody. So it happened that, that I heard Jimi Hendrix for the first time the same week that I heard Wes Montgomery for the first time. not live but I'm somebody put on a record of both of them and that actually had a major effect that one experience on my direction because Jimi Hendrix basically blew my mind at that time I had no idea just like every other guitar player every other electric guitar player it's like uh uh-oh you know I don't have any idea what this guy's doing and so I said well at least Wes Montgomery's playing notes Mm -hmm. you know I can hear note one note two note three so I can go figure out the notes Wes is playing maybe I can sound a little bit like Wes. So I became a jazz guitar player for about two years before I even had the nerve to go back and start listening to Jimi Hendrix and trying to figure that out. So that was kind of typical of me that I'd be listening to this different stuff. But for a long time, the people that I would talk about would be Wes Montgomery, George Benson, and then I played in a lot of soul bands. Patty was playing like in original rock bands, but during the same period I was playing in soul bands, I played in the Gap Band for about four years. And so I was listening to people like uh, Eric Gale and David T. Walker and Cornell Dupree and uh, and of course a lot of blues guitar players B.B. King, Albert King mm-hmm. uh, and so I was kind of listening to a lot of stuff but there's still this piano background so I would listen to any kind of music and think about well how could I render some of this on the guitar You know, it might have been theme music on a TV show but whatever it was it's like how could I manage to render that on the guitar it didn't turn out to be really that useful until Patty and I got together and then I at that point I kind of realized what this had all been leading toward because that was the, the moment that we got together was when I realized, oh, I have an actual musical purpose. Until that, I'd been mimicking everybody that I heard and and developing a lot of ability but really didn't have a clear direction. So it's like, well, why am I trying to play like George Benson when he's already done it? Nobody's going to do this any better, so, uh, so why am I doing this? But I would keep doing it. And I would study and transcribe entire albums and same thing with lots of players. But it wasn't until Patty and I got together that I realized, okay, this all has a point.
0: Well, So when, when the two of you, you met uh, right around 1980 and started, uh, presumably, you, you can tell me, uh, if you started making music right away, I think one of the things that's so unique about Tuck and Patty is A, you have almost, to my knowledge, just about always been a duo. It's just mm-hmm. guitar, just voice. Yeah. Right. Yet there's a richness to that sound, and maybe that is, well, it's obviously in part due to Patty's exquisite voice, but is it also in part due to the sort of complex chords and the voicings that you're finding up and down the neck? Because you are literally up and down the neck.
3: Right, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lengthy neck, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think that that's certainly part of it. Really what happened was we got together... Uh, in 1978. 1978. Okay. Uh, and we, on, we, we met in a band where... Patty came to audition. I was already a member of the band. It was a terrible band. It desperately needed a singer. And so the audition stopped within seconds of Patty starting to sing and uh, and uh, and then we began to, to try to convince her to, to join the band. Meanwhile, Patty and I had both fallen in love with the sound of one another. This uh, is real quick. This Instant. Is yeah, this is within literally seconds of hearing each other for the first time. We both knew that we had found a lifetime collaborator. And... Uh, And then, as the as the band eventually kind of dissipated, it left the two of us, two out of work musicians who had wasted two or three months rehearsing with an ill-fated band.
2: It ended by December. Was it the last day of August? Then by December, was it it a rock and roll band? No, it was going to be this 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 British drummer had come over and he wanted to put together a Vegas show band. So it was like misfits, you know. It was like great players but (laughs) misfits.
3: Yeah, you don't go to San Francisco and try to put together a Vegas show, or at least you you would find different musicians than all the ones who were in this band, all yeah, of whom were, were in good. That room. But uh, anyway, a piano Pat, player
2: wouldn't be wearing a kimono. <laughs> <laughs> so.
3: Yeah. So, but Patty and I, Patty and I decided we've got to get some work real quick. Let's put together our own band because that's what we had both always done. But meanwhile, how you know, duo and get some well, gigs? Yeah, how many songs do you know? How many songs do you know? Let's go out and get some gigs as a duo, and we did it, and we discovered we loved it. Hmm. And then we, the band idea fell by the wayside. But our concept became clear kind of early on, and I think it was just because we'd both played in bands all of our lives. It's, we don't want it to be like a, a folk guitar with a guitar player strumming chords, and we don't want it to be the traditional jazz kind of background guitar vocal thing. You know, each song is either a bossa nova or it's a ballad or it's a swing song, halftime swing. We, we just wanted to... to Play the music that we liked.
0: Well, it it you know I'll say, uh, and and this is something that's always so delightful to be sitting uh, this close to musicians performing is how they interact in a song. And forty years on, you still make eye contact, you still smile, you still look at each other while you play, and there's a real electricity there. And I think that is it really speaks to that connection that you clearly felt almost immediately.
3: That didn't really change, as far as I can tell. It's, just, it's the same.
2: Yeah, I'm amazed. It's 45
0: years coming up. Wildflower, which is what we yeah. started with, is an original. Yes. And so that speaks a bit to what Tuck was just saying uh, regarding. I mean, you have you you have tempo changes and you know you're doing things in this uh, in this song that. Um, I won't say have gone by the wayside in terms of songwriting and uh, popular performance, but maybe I will say that a little bit. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that still song. still like was... a
2: chorus and a bridge every now and then. You gets kind of tired with A A A A A A A A N. <laughs> Is that how
0: you, did you write, when, when you write a song like that, is, is, that is, is it collaborative where you're like, well, you know what, let's change this up? Or is that yeah. maybe co- going back to that improvisational model of when you're playing it, is that just the way the song's changing with the two of they you? They start
2: off the, with, the, I'm the songwriter of our group, so I'll have an idea and be singing it and I'll prejudice it to Tuck and doing that. And then he starts playing and we're like, yeah, and let's try this and let's try that. And then for us, because of the way we are, once we get kind of a, a foundation for it, then we're we're off to the jam. Yeah. And the biggest thing for us when our first record came out was the record companies talking about we got to go do this show and we want to do a music video and stuff. We had to s- listen to our records and learn them because we were jamming.
0: Right. All right. the ends
2: of them were you know jams out and stuff. So we had to really, and I would even on the level of improvising words and real time and all that stuff. So. We still like that feature. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not even a feature. It's just the way it is. We like to be free with it.
3: There's definitely not a script, mm-hmm. and there's actually an, an agreement, an explicit agreement that if one starts to write itself, then we're supposed to kind of tear that script up now and then, yeah. and uh, that.
2: But they're now tunes. They have a verse and a chorus, and
3: until they don't, every like, now and then, <laughs> any one of these songs might just go someplace entirely different. And I blame Patty. It's it's as simple as that. Mo- I'm mean, for most things, really. But uh, I certainly blame Patty for that because she's she was a free free spirit when I met her musically, and uh, and she's managed to continue that. And you know, we're in, in a way the, the kinds of things we're talking about are the antithesis of commercial music. Uh, with un- unless you say that jam bands are commercial music. I mean, you, you can you know there are all kinds of exceptions around the edges, but in general. The more the money gets involved, the more everybody's got to kind of play it straight, play their part, and so forth. And somehow we've had unbelievable success, for which we're enormously grateful, without having to think that way about the music. We just we flew under the radar of the music business somehow and managed to just do whatever we wanted to do yeah. in the moment, conceptually, the, the whole thing. And so it we've circumstances have somehow allowed us to... Continue to be exploratory rather than lock this thing down.
0: That's beautiful. Uh, we're talking to Tuck and Patty. They will be performing tonight at Demetrios Jazz Alley. They'll actually be performing there tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. It's Just as one well. show a night too, so one it's show evening a night of. And Tuck, can I put you on the? Uh, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put you on the spot for a kay. second. A thirteen sharp eleventh. Yeah. Can you play that? Well, sure. I could. I could. Let's hear it. Do, do it one more time. Until that is a 13th
3: sharp 11.
0: All right. I'd, I'd never heard of a 13th sharp 11th, and I've played guitar for many years. And so well, there it was. You, you really hear, it,
3: <laughs> if you listen to the bassy band, half the bassy banding endings, endings are. Or. Yeah, yeah. That's that classic chord yeah. that that uh, ends the bassy band songs and it also serves as a passing chord all the time
0: i'm going to do the same to you patty uh (laughs) my first tuck and patty record that i really remember hearing uh i was working in a bookstore and we were playing the dreams record uh which is just one of my favorite album covers of yours as well with with sort of each of your half of your faces sort of on on opposite sides uh you do a you do a cut on there called high heel blues yeah could you do just a couple of lines okay
2: I
1: was right, I
0: actually
1: had it right in my mind (laughs) People say to me, Patty, uh, uh, uh-uh, uh-uh Girl, you don't sing the blues, Uh, uh-uh, uh-uh I tell them they're wrong, cause I sing the blues each And every time I wear my shoes I'm talking about the high, high, high Hugh blues stut don 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 but don 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 i know that i really shouldn't i do it but i love me some high you blues <laughs> and <laughs> chuck and patty that's and on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i love it i love too that um you know you're already you're already a uh, you know just a duo and you still are willing to uh, strip it down to sometimes yeah. just the singular parts, you, you know, with instrumentals, both guitar and mm-hmm. vocally. It, it yeah. just, it's just, it's marvelous. Thank you. You, you create space for each other, and I think that's just part of the beauty of it. Yeah. So I have the two of you in the studio, and, and, and this is a question that uh, sort of plagues me, and so I think the two of you are going to be uh, really good people to ask. As artists who have both written original songs and arranged many standards throughout uh, jazz and pop, I wonder what your thoughts are. uh, Why is it common in some genres, like jazz and blues, maybe bluegrass could even be thrown in there, um, to play standards and not just to play them, but to sort of dwell in them, to sort of commune with these songs, to be these songs? Sinatra and Fitzgerald didn't really write their own songs. They were their songs. Yet, in other genres, and especially in pop and rock and roll uh, over the last, I think, maybe 40, 50 years or so, to cover a song is sort of somehow viewed as less artistic than writing your own original songs. Do you have any thoughts on... The standard versus the original because you do both so well yeah. and it always sounds like Tuck and Patty.
2: Well, that, because it's the two of us, that's the one thing that's always going to be there. It's just going to sound like us. But I do songs that I love. I just don't do any songs I don't like. If I don't really love it, I'm not going to do it. And so that gives us a big head start because a lot of bands or people are in groups. They, they have to do some stuff that they don't really care for, but they do it. It's part of the thing, and we don't have to. I, uh you know, I think that I jam on all of them. We did time after time with Cindy and Lopper and Rob Hyman's tune, and we jammed the ending of it and changed stuff and did all kinds of stuff. And they, but they were both really happy about it. Cindy was happy about it. Jammed with us that way. She started actually playing it that way live. Sometimes, so there's there's nothing that is so sacred that. You can't take it and, and filter it through your, your lens. That's I, what I think with that kind of music. That's what's necessary. And the idea that it's lesser or that um, somehow it's not as artistic. I, to me, when I'm singing somebody else's tune that they've written, I do it because I love it, number one. Mm-hmm. But when I'm singing it, it's my song. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm singing it as though I wrote that tune
0: and and you 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 all covered uh, time after time i mean not many years after uh, it, it was originally very came close out. I mean, it was yeah, really yeah. close right yeah. yeah yeah i love that she knows it and and loves yeah, it as that's well great. that's that's great
3: yeah i, I might add that uh, that it, in a way it reminds me of sports and the weather in that it's you know if if people get together and they want to talk about something they can easily talk about sports. I can't, but I'm, there are a lot of people who could. And I've even gotten competent at talking about the weather long enough to kind of break the ice. And something about, you know, sort of like a shared cultural kind of deal. Uh, it there, There's something a, a little bit magical about the way that it erases barriers and makes people feel comfortable with one another more quickly. Uh, and that's to me, that's what playing standards is like, or playing blues, or uh, in a way, it almost is at its most extreme, in my experience, which is limited, uh, with bluegrass, because the price of entry is very low. You'll have expert players who welcome people who can barely even play a chord, or if they can't, they can at least just chunk along rhythmically, and they're made to feel utterly welcome in the situation. Mm. It's a communal, communal situation as opposed to focusing on the individual. Yeah, and jazz, you know, Charlie Parker, of course you're going to focus on Charlie Parker. But the fact that they were all playing songs that they knew in common got rid of that whole f- initial getting to know you part, like, okay, what song are we going to play? Well, it's not even a question, you know, just Donna Lee. one, two, one. Everybody knew what Kia was in. So it was a kind of shared common language, and it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit like a culture, uh, or a, a, a slightly tribal aspect of culture, which has, in at least in in this kind of area more advantages than disadvantages Mm. um but yeah i'm I'm with patty any you know any good song that's fine i'm not a songwriter really you know i've participated in some of patty's songs and certainly i'm inherently participating you know in that we end up playing them together but these come pretty much full fully baked out of patty's interesting mind
0: one of the themes that I'm I feel like I'm hearing from both of you is this idea of community and of communal music. And you and you know both of you grew up listening to bands and then performing in bands and then touring. And and, and as you're you're kind of talking, I feel like we're kind of coming back to this idea uh, again and again. Do you, do you have any uh, concern? I mean, you know, playing music with others, it, it's sort of a salve against loneliness in some mm-hmm. ways. It's a uh-huh. uh, uh, obviously you two are a great example of the connection and the relationship that can be formed out of doing such a thing do you, do you, do you worry at all that uh, there's less garage bands happening or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that's anecdotal maybe that's not even true feels true
2: I don't know, kids are doing it I mean, if his parents say yes that happens, well on the block we lived at, the kids had garage bands so yeah, we yeah. we grew up listening <laughs> to them uh, play and practice and uh I don't think that goes away. It may not be in everybody's garage or something. It may be someplace else where they're doing it, but I don't think that goes away. Although, yes, because of this last few years we lived through, there is a lot more isolation, and having been isolated for so long, a lot of people are finding it difficult to re-enter. Hmm. So I think probably one of the best ways is somebody on the block start a garage van. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right?
2: That would be it. Yeah. You know, just say, we don't play that good, but I'm starting a band. F- Saturday, we're jamming, you know, all ages welcome or something. Because that gets people out and sharing again.
0: You heard it from Patty herself. Uh, Tuck and Patty, they'll be live at Demetrio's Jazz Alley tonight yes, and tomorrow night. Can we hear another song? yes Yeah, yeah I think we can.
2: Let's do heaven down here. yeah
1: are you waiting for believe in me is until love in this life that Can I make you believe Forever and evermore I'll give my heart to you Let's bring heaven down here Let's bring yes, heaven on down I don't want to your lips kiss the moonlight Isn't it love in this life that you need? You can offer your soul to an altar of sacrifice. down here, bring it right now down here. I don't want to wait for the angels. Let's bring heaven down.
0: three KBCS Roots Rock and Soul mm-hmm. listening yeah. to Tuck and Patty live in the KBCS studio uh, they will be at Demetrio's Jazz Alley starting tonight and doing another performance tomorrow night and it has just been really thrilling to have you both in here thank you so much for uh oh, talking with us and so performing welcoming. and thank you for having that us that was gorgeous yeah. heaven down here come on now <laughs> <laughs> thanks to you, <laughs> Tuck and Patty Jazz Alley tonight tonight and tomorrow, 91 3 KBCS. Sitting
1: here in limbo, and I know it won't be long. Ooh, say, I'm sitting here in limbo, like a bird without a song. Well, they're putting up resistance But I know that my faith will lead me on Sitting here in limbo Waiting for the dice to roll mm-hmm. Say so sitting here in limbo Some time to search my soul. Ooh, they're putting up resistance, but. Sitting here in limbo And I I know in my heart That it's time for My hand in love and friendship or oh, sometimes it pass along Do you know that this little girl is moving on Say, I'm moving on now Sitting here in a limbo I, And I know it won't be long No, it really won't be long That I'm sitting in a limbo Hey, yeah, I'm sitting here Bird without a song, do you know that they're, they're putting up resistance? But I, I know that my faith will lead me on. I know my faith will lead me. I know my faith will lead me on. Say, do you know they're putting up resistance? But my faith is gonna lead me on. I know my faith will lead me on. Say, my faith will lead me on. Sitting in i'm sitting in limbo yeah it won't be long now ah that i'm sitting in limbo say it won't be long no 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 that i'm sitting in limbo say i know it won't be long no 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 Say, nah, nah, I know my faith is gonna lead me, say, I know my faith is really gonna lead me on. I know my faith will lead me, say, I believe.